Hello, and welcome back to the Sports Talks Podcast. We're going to be giving all your information on taxes in the sports world. Uh, I'm Campbell Garber. I'm right here with Andrew Cornette, Eric Alexander, and Nick Seward. Uh, this week, we're going to be d- diving into the hot topic of tax implications on NIL. Uh, NIL's hot in the streets. So, Nick, you want to give us provide some background on it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, for for the last few years, we've we've heard a lot of um, NIL. And so, in June of 2021, name, image, and likeness was unanimously upheld by the Supreme Court in the court case named NCAA v. Alston. Um, this removed limits on student athletes being paid for the use of their name, image, and likeness, and um, this allowed them to pursue um, things like. Um, marketing deals and and all those all those things but um the reason for it uh the judge said was because of the growing profitability of college sports um and because of that growing profitability um the student athletes need to be compensated for the work they're putting in um and so student athletes can be compensated um through things like partnerships or sponsorships and a great example of that is our very own TJ Finley um, and his deal with Amazon. Um, but another way that um, these student athletes can be paid is through um, boosters raising money um, for them. And so um, that, that brings up the question, how can this be done? Uh, Campbell, do you want to, you want to touch a little bit on, on how that works? Yeah. So the very common a very common way of players, you know, making money in the new world of NIL, you know, based off their name and image likeness is through these player collectives. Um, they can either be a for-profit or non not-for-profit entity. Um, so here at Auburn, we actually have three, but the main one, uh, which is not-for-profit, is the Under Victory Fund. Um, so basically it's a compilation of donors and boosters Um that are, you know, pooling together money to provide for our student athletes, um, you know, so that they can be rep, they can be uh, rewarded for their um, name, image, and likeness and what they bring to the school. Um, many, many schools have followed this same path, uh, creating, you know, different ones, not necessarily branded onto victory, but, you know, with their own schools. And so what this, what makes it interesting when we're talking about taxes is, how do we go about, um, you know, valuing these donations, quote unquote donations that these boosters are providing to these collectives that are eventually getting to the students? Is it a uh, is it a charitable donation? Are they just providing money? Are they basically just paying these these kids like their employees? Um, so basically, so an interesting, so very interesting. Uh, topic on this on September 28th, actually six months ago today, Senator John Thune, a uh, Republican from South Dakota, and Ben Cardin, a Democrat um, from Maryland, both um, interestingly bipartisanal uh, deal, they introduced a legislation aimed at NIL collectives. Uh, basically, they titled this, this legislation the Athlete Opportunity and Taxpayer Integrity Act. Uh, this bill basically pro- prohibits individuals and organizations claiming tax deductions for giving money to these collectives, you know, such as on to victory. And 
So I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop right here. I'm kind of wonder what do y'all what do y'all think about this? Yeah, well, I just wanted to add on to that, Campbell. Like there is a lot of confusion around this NIL topic. Um, Auburn's own athletic director came out um, a week ago and said there's just a lot of confusion here. Um, there's not any direction, and um, their constant change is just not a good thing. So, and that applies to taxes as well. Yeah, well, I mean, going from that, I mean, the IRS still hasn't even come out with a full uh, declared stance on NIL with set guidelines. So, it's kind of the Wild West. It's kind of been a hot buzzword throughout the sports world on this NIL topic. Yeah. It uh it really is unclear. And when we're thinking about it in terms of the company, there's really there's really two ways of thinking about it. Um one way is that uh outside organizations and collectives should not be able to write off their contributions from their taxes, uh, the contributions that they're used to compensate athletes. Um, people who support this way of thinking, they say that this would prohibit these entities from inappropriately using their NIL agreements um, to reduce their own tax obligations. But then on the other side of the coin, um, there are also tax experts who say that these collectives should be viewed as pass-throughs, pass-throughs from a tax perspective. Um, and honestly, that's kind of where I resonate. If I'm looking at this issue, I really do view these collectives as people who are simply collecting the funds and then passing them through to these student athletes, almost similar to a charity. And if you're thinking about the whole purpose of name, image, and likeness is to reward these players. And so really, if we're preventing these deductions from being taken and we're discouraging these contributions from being made, right? Like if an outside person, if a donor is thinking about donating to a collective to support an athlete, they're gonna be less willing to do it if they know that it's gonna be taxed. So really, when we're not allowing these people to take deductions on their contributions, it's kind of preventing everything that's at the heart of NIL, in my opinion. That's just where I stand. Again, it hasn't really been, Thought out, but that's personally that's my map. I don't know if you guys are ready. Well, so actually, uh, so the Frank Messina, UAB's faculty athletic rep, athletics representative, he's also a CPA. Interesting enough, um, he doesn't believe that that's going to discourage, uh, even if they are not allowed to take deductions. He does not believe that's going to discourage, um, you know, funding of these collectives. You know, I kind of tend to think that yeah, bo- these boosters are going to. They're going to provide money regardless. I mean, they've been providing money on the table or under the table for years. And so I don't think necessarily these tax deductions are going to cause them to not be doing that. But I do think that that is a barrier to entry for donating to these. You know, obviously we have our big players, at least for Auburn. You know, we have Jimmy Rain from Yellowwood. He's probably our, our largest booster. But, you know, now with now that everything is, you know, above board with NIL, I think it's very interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of players that could be donating, you know, in the thousands, not in the millions. That you know, as a collective, we have bring together hundreds of those donors. That's creating a lot of opportunity for these players. And I think, you know, college athletics being so profitable as they are, I think the players should receive a cut. And I I personally agree with you, Andrew. I don't I don't know if I don't know if you know getting rid of these deductions is the best is the best way of going about that. Nick, you have anything? Um, you know, kind of along the lines of Andrew was saying with the, um, how these collectives are looked at as pass-throughs, um, right now, as, uh, it stands, many of these collectives apply for and receive tax-exempt status, um, resulting in a tax write-off, um, for charitable contributions. And in my opinion, I think that's how it, it should be, 
Um, and I know with NIL being so new, uh, this could easily change. And it's probably fluctuated so much already. But um, in my opinion, I do see these collectives as um, really just a middle ground where this money's being held so that it can get to the student athletes. Um, so I, I completely agree with, with Andrew and, and you, Campbell. But, you know, that also brings up the question of what does it look like once it gets to the students? Exactly. So, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up is that, you know, are these going to be see the scholarships, which, you know, you can't it's kind of a tricky subject because these are, you know, outside entities at school mm-hmm. or is it just going to be payment and it's going to be considered income. And that opens up a whole nother can of worms with right. with the players on their side. How are they going to deal with the taxes of their income that they're making? So, Andrew and Eric, y'all got anything on that? Yeah. So right now, student athletes, um, obviously there's monetary um, income that they receive as well as non-cash things such as um, cars and clothes. Um, but this NIL income, uh, these students are considered independent contractors. Um, and this NIL income comes with self-employment income. So they get taxed at a higher rate because of that, the 15.3% if it exceeds that billion dollar mark. Um, but it's very interesting. Um, a lot of states have come out come out with new laws on it and um, and they repeal laws. Um, Andrew, I don't know if you have anything else about the players. Yeah, um, kind of just reiterating some of the things that you said. I'm looking at the work of uh, a Marina Messina. She is an instructor at the Birmingham campus and she was – basically doing this income tax primer for student athletes in her journal uh, for athlete development. Um, kind of just from a broad, this is basically what you just said, but from a broad and general view, all services performed for NIL work is going to be taxable and it's going to be reported on the form 1040. Uh, and so kind of similar to all the other tax principles, right? If their NIL income is less than their standard deduction, they're not going to have a federal tax liability. Uh, but also when you're looking at the federal tax liability, you have to factor in, whether or not they're dependent and receive financial support. Um, and so obviously, if they are dependent, then the full standard deduction cannot be claimed. Um, and thus, it's going to be a limited amount of a deduction and lower deduction than the normal standard deduction. So that wouldn't be a good thing. Um, and then also, like you were talking about, student athletes aren't considered employees of a collective or the school or the NCAA. So there's a chance that they might be on the hook for self-employment tax as independent contractors and i think kind of a crazy topic to think about athletes being independent contractors i guess it depends on the nature of the nil deal right if it's a player who's just being paid to come to a university which is technically illegal right like the ncaa prohibits players or nil collectives from being paid yeah, to, come. to play right so that's technically illegal but then if you think other nil contracts and say it's a you know, in a magazine or in an ad, right? If Stetson doing, Bennett with Canes. I mean, right, right. Saw a lot of them. Things like that, I think, would definitely fall more into the uh, independent contractor side, um, which, as Garber said earlier, would open up a whole new can of worms. And so, really, there's also a whole section about avoiding penalties. Um, you don't want to pay too little. You don't want to pay too late. You can pay, you can either pay 90% of this year's current estimated tax bill, or you can aim for the full amount of last year's tax. Um, and so most of the times an individual is making more in the current year than in the last. So it's recommended to be hundred percent of the current year's estimated bill. So again, right. These are three, you have to look at the standard deduction. Um, 
you have to look at their normal federal tax liability. You have to look at penalties. You have to look and see if they're going to be um, an independent contractor. They're just all of these different things that you're going to have to look at from NIL. And it's just going to be complicated. And so, yeah. And so you bring up all these complicated points, you know, things to consider. And I have a question. Do you, do you think these players, um, you know, the ones that are valued, you know, in the millions, the ones that are receiving these, you know, the, the, the UT quarterback coming in that's receiving $7 million, obviously his parents and those trusted around him are going to help him out with his taxes. But I want to talk more about these players that are receiving, you know, in the thousands, but they're still, you know, reaching a next tax bracket. They're, they're, do these players, do they, are they aware of these issues? And like I said, like, I wonder what the implication, the future implications could be, especially because NIL has not, or not NIL, the IRS has not come out and made any specific stand, come out with any specific guidelines and laws about how these should be taxed. They only have guidelines as of right now. So say, you know, they come back and right now everyone's, uh, all these players are filing as independent independent contractors, but say they come out and come up with a new filing or new way for these players to go. What if they owe back taxes? What if they're, you know, they've already spent their money, you know, any, 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 y'all got any thoughts on that? Yeah. I think it's a huge concern. These players come into college as um, 18 year olds and they don't know how to do their own taxes. And, um, I mean, heck, I didn't do my taxes going in as 18, right. so exactly. And um, a lot of these kids focused on sports probably don't either. Yeah, but I know I've read that a lot of colleges have um, come out with programs that help their players um, navigate these taxes, but they can only help to some extent. Um, and like you said, these taxes get so complicated um, the higher up the amount goes, but um, – these third party, um, these third party programs or um, companies help uh, can come in and help these players, um, which these these players with high nil amounts um, may not have a problem with. Um, they can easily hire somebody to come in and do their tax work for them. But for these guys who are making that medium range amount, um, that they do qualify enough above that standard deducted amount, um, there is a concern there because they're not going to go out of their way to hire someone to do this. They're going to be on their own. Um, But they're going to be helpless trying to navigate this. Yeah, and that's really at the heart of the issue. When you're you're looking at NIL and you're looking at the tax implications of NIL, this isn't just an abstract – concept this is something that's affecting the average student athlete right because every university wants to be competitive almost every good big solid university has a collective like this established i mean just looking at auburn the entire baseball team signed with onto victory auburn's collective a couple weeks ago so what is that going to look like right i can't name more than three people on the baseball team none of them are probably signing these huge massive nil deals but if you're looking at their pell grants right, which prevent them from being eligible if they have a certain amount of um, income, right? What if they lost their eligibility because of the income that they got uh, from their NIL deal, right? And so this is this is a very practical thing. I think that's why this whole thing is so important. And I, th- it, yes, and I, and I, was, I was looking at this as well, this uh, article we've been referencing, and uh, the, dar- the Department of Education clarified that NIL compensation is not considered um, financial assistance uh, for, for, like, on the fa- for FAFSA purposes. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it begs to question, though, you know, they get the, they 
you know, say a player like that, baseball player that is rely that does not have an academic that does not have an athletic scholarship because you know due to Title Nine, uh, football football and basketball take up many of those, and then the other male, male sports are, are limited to only a few. And a lot of these players are you know they're here based off you know good financial aid from outside outside scholarships, but if their NIL comes into play, that jumps them out of their funding for that. So, and then once again, opens up new tax, new tax issues with, um, you know, credits, tax credits based on their um, scholarships. So it's all, it's all very interesting to consider. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's going to be an interesting thing to monitor um, in a couple of years. And um, I know Congress is working on, New laws um, between the NCAA and the antitrust laws. Um, I just got a notification about that earlier, but um, I think people have to be patient. But there is a concern for uh, people who are going to try and um, take advantage of these taxes, and um, for people who just don't know what's going on, it's a uh, it's a big concern. And I think to say though, I think to backtrack a little bit. I think um, I think it's unfair for us to assume that you know these our universities and these collectives have not you know considered these liabilities. But I think it's more so when you look at the players themselves. I think the the onus kind of goes on them. They've been you know it's been the old the old way of recruiting with funding for players has been you know through scholarships, which is pretty basic. You know they get their scholarships, get their school for free. They get a monthly stipend, I believe, and so it's all been pretty set up. You know, maybe some under under the under the table money, but we won't talk about that. Um, but now it's it kind of puts the onus on them, like you said, that now they're they're real deal employees almost, and they're uh, maybe not employed by the school, but they've got a they've got a especially because they're third party contractors. You know, they got a independent contractors. They've got to you know worry about those taxes. So yeah, we're we're in for a uh, in for an interesting time, especially while we await the IRS to come out with a full ruling on uh, NIL tax laws. Yeah, I'm excited to see it play out. I'm ready. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts? All right. Well, thank you for thank you again for joining the Sports Tax Podcast. This has been Campbell Garber, Andrew Cornett, Eric Alexander, and Nick Seward. Uh, good night, Tiger fans.